0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Grassy Canna Talk. I'm Zach Gordon. Today, we have Ed and Adam from Fusion CBD. Hi, guys. How are you?
1: Great. How are you doing, Zachary? Good. Hey, Zach. Great for having us.
0: I'm really excited to uh, get into it today. So, uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves.
1: where do we begin? Um, (laughs) Dangerous question. You know, Uh, The journey for Ed and I started approximately five years ago uh, this month uh, back in uh, New York, uh, upstate New York, uh, where we were introduced uh, through a mutual friend, and we started uh, reviewing um, various business plans in the uh, medical marijuana, recreational marijuana, and eventually the the hemp sector. And after uh, multiple meetings uh, concluded, uh, with a handshake and, uh, myself, wife, and eight month old daughter at the time picked up and we moved out West to Oregon where we started, uh, Oregon fusion as our first company.
0: Wow. That's, that's a big move. And that's, that's a big jump of faith.
1: You know, we've been looking at this, uh, industry and segment for a long time and, uh, the, the timing was right um you know i I did not know I wanted to jump into the hemp space at the time um you know family background we we grew fresh cut flowers for twenty five years as a family business so growing things was uh particularly you know easy uh New York state was dragging their feet with legislature and allowing hemp production that's not organic. the New York state I know. <laughs> And Oregon had a very progressive uh, laws and rules at the time. And I was fortunate enough to, uh, you know, get connected with Ed. And we've just uh, really clicked from the beginning. Um, we, We are opposites in some ways, but that really helps balance out the perspective of the business.
0: Oh, that's great. Ed, how about yourself?
2: Well, in my previous life, I was a builder down in Bergen County. New Jersey. I mean, basically, my entire adult life, I was in business. I got really good at it. I loved what I did for a long, long, long time. I primarily focused in high-end residential, new construction, renovations, and design work. And like a lot of things, you know, when you get to a certain point in your life, I'm a little older than Adam, so I was getting tired, and the industry was changing, and people were changing, and 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 like Adam said, he was introduced to me through a mutual friend. And actually, it was end of October of 2015. And I guess it just came at a good time because I, I got to the point where I couldn't imagine doing what I was doing for the rest of my life, not knowing what that meant. So I looked at it as an open door opportunity, something new, something something exciting, something that I knew really nothing about. And so for the next two years, I wound down my company in Jersey while Adam and I learned and navigated and launched our Fusion and got into a whole new world of, of knowledge, understanding, and, and lingo. So it was pretty challenging in the beginning. Oh, well, it's still challenging, but it's a different sort of challenging now. And then I think, you know, as Adam and I, you know, got to know each other and, and got to understand each other's strong points and, and weaknesses and, you know, how to be that, it's like a marriage. You know, we joke about this all the time. I talked to, <laughs> talk to Adam more frequently throughout the day than I do my wife.
1: I'm <laughs> sure he can
2: say the same thing. And, you know, we're thousands of miles away. But it started to grow into a, a passion and a real understanding for what we really were doing. You know, when we started, it was about farming and growing hemp. I don't think either one of us knew where we were gonna go with this and to what level we were gonna take this. And, you know, when it comes to manufacturing and and product development and all really encouraged by understanding cannabinoids and the benefits and, you know, what people need and why they need them. And, you know, fast forward now, I mean, we joke about it, but I met Adam almost a little over five years ago, and it's been one heck of a ride. A lot of changes, a lot of challenges, but we're excited to still be in the industry, which so many people, unfortunately, have not survived it.
0: You're right. There's certainly been ebbs and flows, and it sounds like you guys have very much experienced that.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, we got a long road ahead of us, and that's due to challenges in the industry um challenges dealing with multiple states and then of course the most recent challenge with covid nobody could have anticipated or ever put that into a model so it's you know it's it's challenging but we're hoping to keep on going and get there
0: yeah and as of this point that's that's all you can ask i mean to this point, so you guys, uh, tell us a bit more about your operations. So you mentioned Oregon. What else, uh, what else are you guys working on? Well,
2: in 2017, New York State came on board with legislature to allow hemp to be grown under the uh, pilot program as outlined by the original Farm Bill of 2014. And then later on, it was solidified even further by the Farm Act of 2018, So I had always stayed East, you know, Adam moved his family West. And so we kind of developed East coast as the the corporate hub. Um, You know, it did. And like I said earlier, it took me a while to wind down my company and still be available and local to service my customers. So I couldn't pack up and move West, even if I wanted to. So then we got involved with growing in New York state for 2018 and, You know, and and Adam could talk a little bit more about how we developed our partner farm models out in Oregon. We took that same model to the East Coast and we took over a a very large greenhouse complex in Warwick. And while we were doing that, we had already started to develop a product line that started. Well, the original product line started in Adam's kitchen in Oregon.
1: Oh, wow making sure.
2: uh, CBD-infused honey and olive oil. Remember
1: those days, Adam? Honey, olive oil, and, uh, and the tincture. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the neat things with, with being out west is the fact that a lot of the extraction technologies are, are kind of ahead of the game or uh, the beginnings as opposed to the East Coast. Um, between California and Oregon, you know, people have been doing this for 20 years uh, out here. So the botanical extracts, understanding the various types of cannabinoids, the different types of oils really gave us a jump start to creating a unique product where we haven't changed the base formula from day one. You know, we use a full plant extract uh, that preserves major minor cannabinoids and terpenes and infuse it with a carrier oil um, such as hemp seed oil. Those are the, the right. two ingredients that becomes a major foundation for the product. But, you know, going back to start our beginnings, we had Oregon Fusion. Then we evolved and uh, started New York Kemp Alliance. And as we you know went further down the road, we wanted more of a national brand. Um, and that's where Fusion CBD uh, evolved and came out of. And that's where we currently are where we have a, a vast array of uh, cannabinoid-rich products. So
0: it goes without saying, but it is very difficult to develop a brand in, in any industry. What's it been like in such a weird industry like, like hemp? A
2: couple parts to that. Um, one, I think, as, as Adam and I started to develop a better understanding of what our core product was, our core beliefs which took a couple of years to develop. Um, Then it became a little easier to expand our product line. But one of the stigmas or challenges that kind of always hung over my head was we were operating in an industry that had absolutely zero compliance requirements, you know, to, to use the phrase wild, wild West is, is so appropriate because We recognized fairly quickly that there was a tremendous amount of low end, poor quality, poor represented products, mislabeled products, often fraudulent products all over the store shelves. We also recognized early on that there was very little consumer awareness and education. And... As we settled into our product line, and still really started to appreciate the value that we bring to the consumer, it got easier and easier um, because we didn't know what we didn't know back in you know sixteen, seventeen, going into eighteen. But you know, as we matured in the space, and I think we excelled way beyond a lot of the companies because it became a passion because we did recognize the benefits to the consumer. Whereas, you know, I, I kind of came up with a philosophy that's interesting, you know, and I've always been in business my whole life. And I said often that a passion can often lead to a business or owning a business. Well, in this case, it's the opposite. You know, I made this decision really driven by economics and the potential to make a good living doing something completely new and different. Well, that business decision really turned into a passion for me. And once I saw that shift, my whole perspective on CBD, cannabinoids, the hemp industry changed. And, you know, fast forward to where we sit today, we, we've made incredible progress in, in getting to the consumer and, and, educating the consumer and, and identifying the good solid players in the industry. And then those that by virtue of, you know, rules and regulations and, 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 and requirements and, and mandates and whatnot, they're not going to survive, which fortunately this industry needs. It needs to weed out what I often call the bottom feeders. Those that are only interested in turning a dollar. And I'm not saying that that's a bad reason to do anything. Right? But there's got to be something a little bit deeper behind that. And I think Adam and I have both developed that.
0: Well, I think you hit it on the head when it comes to passion. If, if you don't believe truly in what you're doing, it, it really does show in the end result.
1: Absolutely. So
0: I think it's, it's really fascinating that you've been able to find that uh, relatively quickly if for all intents and purposes. <laughs>
2: Well, I'll debate the relatively quickly part.
0: (laughs) Fair, fair. When you put it that way. But I'm saying in an industry that for legal purposes is very new, it it is amazing that you've been able to find this, again, uh, relatively quickly.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, this
2: year year is a very interesting year because, I mean, not just because of COVID, but because of industry challenges, um, legislative changes, uh, you know, different agencies taking over different sectors of the industry in different states, uh, and, and you know, we really look at this year as being the, the, the turning point for the industry and for fusion.
1: You know, one of the, the challenges that we've endured, and also possibly a blessing, um, we've been self-funded from the beginning. We, we've brought in a little bit of friends and family, uh, so that has limited how fast. Uh, we could grow and progress. Uh, what we saw between 2018 and 2019, in 2018, there were 50,000 acres registered in the U.S. to grow hemp. In 2019, that exploded to 250,000 acres. So material biomass um, that was 40 $50 a pound, plummeted to below a dollar a pound. And that right. really uh, has put many people, you know, out of business and trying to find a new avenue. So what Ed and I have been great at doing is uh, shifting our focus um, as a necessity in order to keep moving forward. So we've had to somewhat backtrack down a different path that we were going down, and now refocus our energy and efforts to the consumer side, um, and that. You know segues into our current operations and and goals, which is to you know open more stores. Um, opening we had our first store open in June of this year with a grand opening uh, in Warwick. Congratulations! Thank you. And another project that's been in the works for the past year is uh fusion uh, vending machines.
0: So tell us a little bit more about that because that is absolutely fascinating,
1: Ed. That's been uh,
2: a a long, long road in the making. And we actually are starting to place them now. So one of the advantages, let me tell you about the the actual portal. The vending machine, you know, it's a state-of-the-art touchscreen machine. It's got its own built-in Wi-Fi. So all we need from the merchant literally is a a 24-inch by 30-inch floor footprint An electrical outlet so it's you know state-of-the-art plus some and what we're using the machine for is to put it into high traffic areas that you normally wouldn't have a clerk or an educated uh, employee behind the counter who is savvy and versed in cannabinoids so on the screen you'll see a video which shows our farms and and it flashes our products and then there'll be a tutorial on it, which will kind of give you an outline, an overview of cannabinoids and the benefits and the different methods of, uh, you know, ingesting them, be it smokable, topical, sublingual or digestible. And then, you know, we're just we're going to be placing these. In fact, we have four machines going out in about a week to a big, big group of uh, the higher end uh exxon and mobile gas station owners and we're putting one into a local gym we've got another gym lined up so we're trying to follow you know high traffic areas where going back to a point i made earlier you walk into the average convenience store quick check many of them will sell cbd products none of them can offer any advice or suggestions or answer any questions So what this
0: machine... Nor really do you want them to for many reasons?
2: Well, we don't want them to if they're not educated properly and you can't go around educating every store owner. So the benefit of the machine is depending upon its location, we can cater the uh, inventory to that location. So, for example, a gym will get tinctures and gummies and topicals and salves and skin lotions, Whereas the, the Exxon's and mobiles may get a combination of that, along with our mints and maybe even some smokable cones. But our website's on it. Our phone number's on it. We answer the phone literally seven days a week. You know, we field questions. And so it's a different version of marketing a product, but it also still offers the educational component without just shutting them out. And it's exciting because it's really very new in the industry. I mean, we all are accustomed to vending machines of all sorts, but you really don't walk around and see too many CBD vending machines. So it's really one of the first, and it's very exciting, and the potential is pretty big.
0: I mean, honestly, one, it's really cool. And two, uh, the data implications of something like this that's another unique opportunity where you can see consumer habits. Uh, it, it doesn't get any more directly than that in an industry where there's
1: still a lot of questions to be answered. You know, in the past five months, uh, we've been collecting that data as well uh, in our storefront um, with customers, new customers, repeat customers, and we're really get to see a firsthand account of what people are looking for what their buying habits are. And this is information that we're collecting that we can then, you know, roll out to offer a better experience uh, for fusion at, uh, you know, multiple uh, stores in the Hudson Valley region. Which is just an incredible
0: opportunity. So it sounds like from a a brand perspective, to circle back around to that topic, you really are approaching this from almost every conceivable angle.
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And, and you know, I,
2: I kind of feel bad sometimes because Adam doesn't get to experience what we get to experience at the store level. And when we opened the store, we really didn't know what to expect. I mean, we're in a standalone building, you know, on a fairly traveled highway, but no anchor stores around us, no malls around us. And there's been so much positive feedback from the consumers First of all, because we are here to answer questions. We only sell our product line. We're not a white label company. We are farmers. We have a story. We have a history. And we have the passion. And when you put all of those things together and you get in front of the consumer who either thinks there's something wrong with it or tries to associate it with marijuana or has heard about CBD but doesn't know a lot about it, or has tried other products and often doesn't know why it doesn't work you know whether we sell a ten dollar item or a hundred dollars worth of product we spend the same amount of time with every consumer every customer and that by itself is, is, is proven so beneficial and it's given me a whole new appreciation for what we're doing you know part of what drove us to open the store was the industry changes and challenges as i indicated earlier but also covid you know we were in, in a difficult industry in a very very difficult time and literally april rolled around and i said let's open a store we didn't even know what that meant at the time and you know from june until now we we now know what that means you know we know when the people come back through the door and they go right for that tincture because they ran out, or they go right for the gummies because they ran out. We've got customers for life already.
0: And, and that's talk about a data set that really goes a long way. I mean, that's all you need to yes. know right there. Absolutely. So was there any, was there any pushback on opening up the physical location?
2: No, we're very tied to the community. Fortunately, um, and we were very welcomed into the community. And actually, we we're blessed because this particular community, Warwick, has what's called an accelerator group, which is a part of an IDA where they help develop industries and create jobs and, you know, uh, can source different government grants and whatnot. So they've actually created a cluster in town where they're repurposing the old jail property. And it's specifically for cannabis, be it you know medical marijuana at the moment or, or hemp and CBD. So even and they were fairly quick to put that together after the legislature passed. You know, we're actually getting ready to open another store. And, you know, one of the things we're going to find out is how welcoming will we be in another town where maybe they're not as involved or interested in the hemp or cannabis space. Now, being that it's completely legal, I don't expect pushback, but you never know. You, you, know, you walk into certain uh, societies or environments and there might still be that stigma because it's still out there. People...
0: And, and you just hit on a very important word there when it comes to stigma. And you, I believe you had mentioned it before as far as educating the public and educating potential consumers letting them know what the difference is between uh, a hemp CBD product and uh, a THC product or any other derivative <laughs> thereof. It, it's a major difference, and I think there is still, and you, I'm sure you can speak to this point specifically, the the difference in knowledge that
1: the public it, has. It's taken a while, and everyone is really thinks hemp is marijuana, for lack of right. a, a better word. And, and what we're able to... You know, offer the customers um, we're cannabinoid farmers, and we offer various, you know, CBD, CBC, CBG, uh, terpenes, and that all these different compounds have various uh, benefits. So we're able to help the the customer break things down, and and that's another benefit with with Fusion and having all of our own products and only our products. The customer doesn't go to a store where there's fifty vendors on the shelves where it's very confusing you know why do i want to go with this brand or another brand and so that's what sets us apart is the the customer experience yes we have an online presence at fusioncbd.com but customers um you know do come into our store and with the vending machines we're really focused on the uh, in the northeast uh the greater hudson valley area and want to uh, continue our focus there
2: let me just add to that, Let me add to that. Mean, the good news is to, to, to Zach at Adams point, um, we have seen a shift in the consumer awareness over the last two to three years. We've seen less stigma attached to it. And what's really interesting and, and this is the benefit of that one-on-one direct interaction with the consumer, many of our consumers either are, medical marijuana card holders or recreational marijuana users, but they come in all shapes and sizes as well. And for those that were, were were enjoying the benefits and I don't mean necessarily just the get high benefit, but the actual wellness benefits of cannabinoids, they're thrilled to be able to buy a product that offers all of those benefits without necessarily having to be stoned all day long. And so then they have a choice. And for up until recently, they didn't have a choice. You know, the whole hype about medical marijuana, uh, recreational legal marijuana. Yeah, the medical part is, yes, it's about medical with limitations because depending upon what state you're in and where you go, you're often limited on what you can even buy in terms of product type. And of course, we know that the recreational user is is really using it for one reason, but I've got a lot of customers that come in and are thrilled to be able to get their daily dose of cannabinoids, even if it means going home at night and taking a little puff off of their marijuana. And that's a whole new concept in, in the whole world of cannabis, because it didn't exist ever. And now it does. Right. And people are really appreciative of that.
0: No, I, I agree with you there. And, and again, no one know, you're on the ground floor, so no one knows better than you. So it's, it, it'll be fascinating to watch as this continues to evolve. And, uh, you know, we can certainly take our guesses as to where a state like New York goes and how quickly, the emphasis on that. Uh, but it is nice to hear from someone who has that direct connection, what mm-hmm. the experience is like. Mm-hmm. Now, we've talked a lot about New York. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Oregon. What Adam? How's your experience been out there? You know,
1: Oregon is one of the premier states for uh, growing cannabis collectively. Um, it's number two or three in the nation for most registered acres uh, because of the ideal climate and uh, the willingness of the community out here. So hemp farming has been um, has been enjoyable. For the first few years, and then we definitely experienced a a glut and an oversupply. So there's a little bit of a shakeup happening. But what's wonderful is the quality of the flower and the product that we produce uh, out of Oregon. Uh, Generally, it does not rain uh, during the summer. We have you know hot, dry conditions, and that just allows the plant to uh, mature and flourish. Uh, Where in other areas you have challenges. Uh, between um, rot, mold, or other pests that that could come into right. play, um, you know, for us, 2019 uh, saw a a an opportunity to produce uh, for uh, a client um, a 400,000 pound uh, contract, which we were able to successfully, you know, pull off, and uh, since which there have been many changes and we're seeing companies you know, go out of business. We've seen many groups that have done 10, 20, $40 million raises uh, go out of business. So you know, for us, we're kind of um, scaling back a little bit, uh, planting less acres, uh, being mindful and selective with the genetics that we do put into the ground uh, and kind of are in a, a little bit of a holding pattern. Um, I've been able to develop a partner farm program. You know, we started in Oregon and then continued into New York. Um, And then we have a couple of partner farms in Southern Oregon that help supply, um, you know, material that we're able to offer to our customers. So long
0: story short, the markets are wildly different, but... What you're seeing is the key difference between a more mature market and still a relatively new one here. In yeah, South what's Coast. neat,
1: there's in Oregon, there's I don't know, 180 specialty crops um, or more. So we see a lot of different uh, farming techniques, a lot of different equipment is available. Uh, the hops industries have large scale dryers. Uh, so it's been easy to experiment with these different types of equipment. Uh, forage harvesting and, uh, and drying large amounts of material in a short amount of time and then separating the, the wood uh, from the, the plant matter so you have a higher cannabinoid content. And many of these things are being developed out west, whether it's in Oregon or uh, Colorado. Um, so it's really Kind of a, a strong anchor point to to be out here to see what happens on the farming level, to see what happens on the extraction level, and to see what's next, so that we can offer um, you know our East Coast uh, division and branch some different options.
0: No, that that certainly makes sense, and it seems like you guys have your hands in in quite a few things here. How are you handling all those logistics? I mean, you are managing a lot right now. <laughs> we
2: seven days a week that's how
1: <laughs> <laughs> we have, we have many hats that, that we wear um it's uh, not always by des- desire but necessity um and we've of learned course. to operate very very efficiently and frugally and sh- you know shrinking the company when we need to um that might mean that certain things take a little bit longer uh, to get done, but that also gives us the ability and flexibility to stay in business.
2: Let let me add something, Adam, I think was heading in a direction before, uh, when we talked about how fortunate we are that we did self fund for the most part, and and when Adam talked about the many companies that we know firsthand, too many of them, you know, back in, in 16 and 17, there were a lot of investors with a lot of money being thrown at the hemp industry because everybody saw dollar signs and saw a quick way to to get really rich. And that lasted a year or two. And unfortunately for a lot of these big companies, they didn't survive and they, you know, they couldn't pay down their debt and creditors. And so while Adam and I at times struggle, we're still in it. And, and, and to Adam's point, we've been able to make adjustments. And and at times that means cutting back. That means getting rid of locations. That means revisiting the model. That means being innovative and thinking out of the box. And one of the things that we've always been exceptionally good at is looking long. I mean, we almost could have predicted year after year what was going to happen in the hemp industry and you know, within certain variations of those numbers we were spot on i mean we knew the challenges with legislature we knew the challenge that the farm bill was going to bring on we knew the challenges that excess farming was going to bring on and so we've always been able to quietly amongst ourselves predict it and look at each other and go basically like okay what's next and you know and i when i talk to investors you know and we do have conversations with investors because At some point, we'll have an exit strategy. We don't know when or what that looks like. But when I talk about being able to develop a business model, in the early days, I would say to an investor, I can develop any building model, any business model you want. Tell me what you want the bottom line to look like. Because there was no data to go by. There was no history. There was no trends. And a lot of these investors jumped in and they saw you know, CBD as the next, uh, you know, dot com. And fortunately for us, we could never put that together. Although I think in all honesty, Adam, if we could have, we may have, (laughs) um, and and so we are still where we are, but you know, we're going to be one of the last few standing in in an industry that's actually going to be shrinking before it gets bigger again. I, I think it's, kind of exploded it's on self imploding mode and then it's going to be you know more of a coasting ride hopefully in the next two to five years as the industry settles in you know i mean it's very new and it's growing through growing pains and we're very new still and we're going through growing pains but we we take everything that we've learned and we try to look long and say All right, what's next and that's really why the focus is on the brand and and, and the product and the consumer Uh, interaction and 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 how to almost go back to old school you know we talked about wanting to create a national brand you know that was a big plan that definitely comes with an ego but then this year we did a complete 360 on that and now we utilize hyper local community presence you know participation in the community and and hiring and 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 promotions and then we'll take that to the next town or the next county and then we'll just keep expanding outwards from there and that's what we're seeing is being extremely successful right now
0: well i was going to ask you what you guys thought was next but (laughs) you you certainly beat me to the punch there and and it's really interesting to hear your perspective on this uh and, and i certainly do agree that there's a, a clear evolution in front of us for the industry. Uh, depending on what economic report you you subscribe to or believe, there's anywhere from 80,000 to 120,000 quote-unquote cannabis and related businesses. Uh, I believe that was in 2017 or so. And we've seen a mass contraction mm-hmm. to this point. And that speaks to exactly what it seems like you're experiencing. It right oh, now. absolutely.
2: The, the, the difficult thing is because the states operate kind of autonomous from each other, even though everybody's under the umbrella of the federal legalization, there's really not adequate data being collected by one agency. I mean, that's going to change, but it's going to take time. You know, the USDA is trying to take charge of the farming aspect of it. So when we when we cite, you know, how many acres were grown, we really don't know what was grown. We only know what each individual Department of Ag puts down is how many acres were issued permits for. But there's no follow up. So if a million acres were permitted, how many were planted, how many were successfully harvested? Huh. And what was the yield coming off of that? And so that's where the USDA and the FSA comes into play. But even if you look, try to look at stores, you know, how many stores are selling CBD products from any given state to another? Nobody has that information. There's no one central data collection point yet. And it's frustrating because when we we try to do forecasts or look for trends it's like we're hanging around on on an island all by ourselves because that information isn't really available, uh, you know, down to the specifics and and that's going to take a long time to change.
0: But there's significant motivation in the market, both from a public concern and from the private side to get that
2: done. I think more so now, because I think, the well-rooted companies like us and the, the established States, which, you know, is limited, you know, the States go through their own growing pains. Um, They're just starting to look at the need to have that kind of information earlier on. It was never even contemplated. Nobody cared. It was every state for themselves, basically.
0: And now you're getting into issues of quality control of ingredient listings and public safety. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys witnessed it, but for a, a, a little moment in time, it, it, if you walked around New York City, you would see that every single juice shop, every single coffee shop, uh, every bodega, every, every mini market everywhere had oh, featuring CBD without any real... Decoration. Well, what that yeah, you, had,
2: you had exactly what we were talking about before. Um, it, no regulations, no policing, no oversight, right. no requirements. Right. And we, we were welcoming the day that literally just hit New York State. Uh, a couple days ago, I went to an event where our Senator Metzger was there and our township supervisor was there and our lobbyist was there. And some of the hemp industry players in our local area were there. And it was specifically to announce the New York State Department of Health has finally rolled out their first draft of rules specific to manufacturing, retailing, wholesaling, and where those compliance rules come from. And so, again, in, in order to anticipate this, about two years ago, I went out to Utah for a couple of different events. Uh, to be certified in food safety and in dietary supplements by a woman named Larissa who used to work for the FDA as a, a compliance inspector. And this was knowing and wanting there to be some, some regulations, but we didn't know when it was coming. And this goes back to what I said earlier, you know, there's a lot of stores and you just said it perfectly, exactly. There's a lot of stores that are selling products with no control, no compliance. And so for that reason, we've been missing a lot of the market share because we don't want to be one of those 50 or one of those 10 or one of those five that are on a little corner gas station store shelf with an uneducated clerk because that's not our product. You know, our product does and will continue to stand above many. So we finally have rules and regulations and Fusion right now, is within about a month or so of having our third-party CGMP certification and an ISO seven clean room. We've already mastered all about labeling. Oh wow! We're implementing SOPs and traceabilities, and even though it's costly and extremely difficult, it's welcomed because this is the day we've been waiting for for years.
0: And, and that's just, that, that's incredible in its yes. own right. But that's very impressive. It's
1: been a lot of work, you know, definitely uh, uh, an ongoing process. There's a lot of details uh, in the information and in the record keeping, uh, but it's something that the consumer wants, uh, the, that the consumer needs. You know, and the, the next step after that will be um, research. You know, the more research components uh, will give, Uh, customers uh, consumers the general public a better knowledge base on how they can make informative decisions on which type of cannabinoid product might be good for them exactly
0: and I couldn't think of a better segue what advice do you have to to give to anyone out there who is either thinking about the getting into the industry or is already in is just not sure where to go next get out
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know i think Other you, you need <laughs> at, at this point uh you need to have a very uh well thought out plan with deep pockets but also need to have flexibility and and the ability to change that plan if needed um s- staying power with financial backing um you know, might allow you to participate and get some part of the market share. But it is not an easy path by any means.
2: Let me add to that. Um, research, you know, and I still talk, and I'm sure Adam does too, we still talk to farmers that are hanging their hat on the whole newness and the potential upside to it financially, uh, if you don't research it, and if you don't really take it back at least five years, and, and you know, there's at least enough data in terms of market pricing, and, and Adam talked about the value of biomass, and I can talk to you, you know, till you fall asleep about finished good pricing points, and and, you know, how to find that right price point, and And we've talked about how to find a quality or understand what goes into a quality product. You know, we've got, we're in our fifth year. So our research was, you know, boots, boots on the ground, you know, we're in the trenches and somebody that wants to get into the industry really needs to do their research and do their due diligence. And then yes, have a plan and have a real hard, solid plan. And don't listen to, a lot of the people that still have the the misconception that it's a home run, you're going to win the lottery because those days are over. But if done right and done well, you certainly can find your spot in the industry and it could be in any sector of it, whether it's farming, processing, or manufacturing. And then part of your model really needs to be what distinguishes you from the rest. When you talk about how many thousands of farmers there are and how many thousands of of white label or branded labels there are on all these convenience store shelves we talk about, we've learned it from being in it. We've learned it from doing it and seeing it. And that's not something, you know, you can just do overnight, even online. But research is critical. And then the flexibility. I think Adam nailed that perfectly well. Be
0: ready to change direction at any given moment. Very well, and I mean that's just good advice in general, but it could not be more emphasized for for this industry.
1: So any uh, any last words, guys? Well, we we are always uh, open to uh, outside uh, potential outside investment and in capital. You know, we're at a very unique spot um, where we have a very robust uh, product line. Uh, we have a very clear vision to open up more stores, and you know, with placement of these uh, vending machines and you know, now's the right time, you know, for uh, someone that might be interested in investing to, um, you know, jump in with Fusion Holding Group and all our subsidiary companies.
2: I'd like to add to that, if I may. Um, anybody that's interested in even contemplating getting into this space, you know, what Adam and I have learned, we are, we are not, bashful about sharing it. You know, for us, it's, it's not just about fusion succeeding, but it's about the industry as a whole succeeding. And so the more people that we can get on board and understand, you know, our philosophies and our trials and tribulations, we're willing to share our experience with people. And so I would make ourselves available. You know, I had said earlier, we are at the phone all day long, um, can I plug our phone number, Zachary?
0: I can, uh, I can certainly yeah, add right, it to the, to the podcast for sure. I'll give it
2: to you now. You want it? All right. So, I mean, we're here 9 to yeah, 5, please. Monday to Friday, and Saturdays and Sundays 10 to 4. Uh, our, all, all of our staff is, is very knowledgeable and as passionate as Adam and I. Um, they've all been with us for two years or more. And so anytime somebody has a question, whether it's about our product or about any interest in, in creating a relationship at whatever level, please call us at 845-988-4367. And of course, anybody interested in our products can go to fusioncbd.com. And, you know, we're very excited to talk with people and we love making relationships and we really don't keep much to ourselves because its just, I don't think that's in the best interest of the industry succeeding.
0: Very, very well said. And, and that's, I think, a perfect line to go out on. So, Ed Addison, thank you for having us, Zachary. Thank so you much for joining us. Thanks, today. Zach. Look forward to it in the future again. Perfect. And everybody out thank there, you. thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.